G'day, this is Tim from MPO Sports Podcast, and we're about ready to hit our AFL Trades review episode. But first of all, I have a little, oh, it's not even a little sharp pain, it's a fair dinkum gashing wound of what the St Kilda Football Club have done overnight. Unbelievable. That's Simon Lethleen. Oh, hell in the, oh, seriously, he could not run an absolute fair income shit fight. What they've done to Brett Ratton, absolutely unbelievable. Maybe he wasn't the right man for the job. Maybe. Why sign him again for another two years? The other thing is why a man like Simon Lefleen that was actually running the football department is reviewing the football department. I love my Saints, but I'll be brutally honest, I'm probably going to follow another sport. They've absolutely broken my heart. Anyway, that's enough. I'm behaving myself because we do have a special guest. But before I introduce a special guest, how are you going, Aaron Wood? I'm going okay. Um, look, I'm not even a Saints Pets fan and I don't care much for the Saints at all. But, geez, I would not be happy um, if I was a supporter or a member of theirs. That's just absolutely disgraceful. I, I just don't know how you can... You can sack a guy in this manner and not have someone lined up. You're not guaranteed to get someone better. So I don't know what they're actually doing. Yeah, the only thing I can think of um, is maybe they actually have someone signed um, just the way they've done it. That's the only way it would make sense. But you know what? Um, Forget about the Saints. We'll always have Borussia Mönchengladbach back. You beat me to it this time. And they had another win (laughs) anyway. Big win. All right, talking about the world game, we are joined by our, well, we we use the term producer. He flicks buttons and stuff when we send him recordings, and that is Josh Watto-Watson, who will be talking with us about the football, the AFL football, not the round ball game, why he's (laughs) probably in the corner of his eye watching the Melbourne City match. How are you going, Josh? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going quite well. Uh, we scored again, penalty by the way, two 0 up. So I'm I'm a happy man right now. But so also, I'm guessing J Max scored now. Then if it was a yeah, penalty, penalty, yeah, yeah penalty. <laughs> yep, and uh, you know AFL sense because that's what we're talking. I'm happy with Collingwood's because uh, I'm a Pies fan. So I'm happy with their trade period. We got all their targets. So I couldn't be happier. Uh, that's good. That. That's yeah. good. All right. Um, thanks for all that, Josh, and I'm. So we'll talk more about Collingwood as we progress through um, the episode. Now, it comes to our very special guest who comes from the Apple Isle and probably pretty close to one of um, the Bulldogs' biggest supporters uh, on social media, and that would be the Bev. How in the heck are you, mate? Good day, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm going well. Going well. Hope uh, hope you're well. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking uh, about all the all the trades. It was an exciting trade period, wasn't it? Probably the... The most exciting one I can think of for a while. Uh, for a St Kilda supporter, I must say, Bev, it was pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty quiet. But, you yeah, know, it certainly was. There's a lot going on. And look, did a goey one? One minute we th- everyone thought he was going. The next minute he was going to stay. And then he was going and he ended up somewhere and it was where he was. So so, so it wasn't Jacob to goey. It was Jacob to stay in the end, wasn't it, really? It certainly was. I don't even apologise for that joke. <clears> no, it was, that was terrible. Uh, no, I'm and, happy with it. But in other sport, just before we move forward, um, there's the big lightweight um, title fight Sunday nights where uh, our uh, George, what's his, um, Cambosis Jr. will be trying to win the rematch that, from the fight where he dropped his title. So good luck, George. Anyway, we'll get into it. And uh, we've got the Richmond trades highlighted. Um, Aaron, do you want to start that discussion? Yeah, so early on in the piece, um, Tim Duranto and Jacob Hopper both declared that they wanted to go to Richmond. And, um, well, Richmond got both of them done. So it's a win for them. And they've bolstered their midfield stocks um, exponentially, really. So Duranto Duranto goes for a first-round pick and a um, second-round pick as well. So they get 12 and 19 back. Um, that's in the Taranto deal. And then once they did that deal, I thought, well, how are they going to get Hopper? Because uh, he he won't um, come cheaply either. But um, they've managed to do that. Um, so 
They uh, cost a, a second round and a future first round. Um, so they've done well. They've given up um, three first round picks, um, Richmond, but they've got two very, very handy midfielders, two of the young guns from GWS. So they've done very well there. And um, not the only trades that uh, rely heavily on the go home factor. What do, we, what do we make of those pickups, guys? If you're a Richmond fan. Well, they've done pretty well, haven't they? I mean, Taranto, Hopper, to go with, uh, you know, probably a player like Cochin, who's probably past his best nearly. Uh, you chuck in there, Dustin Martin, Bolton. They're looking, they're looking really strong to try and well, stay up there. Well, that's the thing. Bolton, he's really coming into his own. And, and um, bought, would you say he's bordering on, on elite status? Oh, he'd have to be, definitely. Um, he's one of the most exciting players in the game for sure when he's on. But, um, yeah, that's that's a pretty formidable midfield. And and, and Hopper and um, Taranto, they, they, they're tough and like to get inside as well. So and that's probably what Richmond lacked a little bit this year. So they've, they've bolstered those stocks. They've seen a need and they've addressed it. Uh, I would just say they're, they're younger replacements, you know, because they got – their midfielders, they're like elite midfielders, premiership midfielders are getting older and Torino and Hopper, perfect replacements. You know, they're up and coming, very good players in the competition. I just think it's, you know, great replacements. That's all I can say. They've done well. Yeah, that sounds um, sounds like uh, Richmond would be what? Do you reckon, did, did they get an A or would you give them a B? I'd give uh, them an I A. You definitely give them an A for sure. Yeah, um, they, <clears throat> so we've got three A's. They, um, yep. they just scraped into the finals. Um, more more to do with Carlton shitting the bed late in the year than their own good fortune. But, um, yeah, they, they're definitely going to be an improver on next year based just on those as well. Obviously, you know, as we mentioned, Bev mentioned before, you know, um, Dusty and Poch and, um, aren't getting any younger, but... Uh, does Dusty play a lot more forward now? I think he that that gives him that flexibility Probably, yeah. too. So I, I reckon we'd see him play forward more more time than midfield. And you'd expect that from a player north of thirty anyway these days. That and that, they, that's just a luxury. Yeah. All right. Um, I've actually got one that I want to bring up um, trade wise. Is yep. what Melbourne got for Jackson? Um, a good friend of the podcast was bang on about how he reckons. Um, Melbourne got jibbed. I actually, no. I, I actually think Melbourne ran to the bank, um, singing and dancing because I don't um, believe what our felt, um, you know, fan of the podcast um, thinks of Jackson. I think it's inflated. I don't believe a fifty-two game player can, you know, warrant what um, Philip Kimber felt he did. Yeah. Um, what, what do you make of this one, Bev? I think I agree. I think I think Melbourne have got what they probably. It's probably the right compensation. I think I don't think he's really proved himself just yet. I think he's still got a bit of the potential's there, but he he hasn't reached that potential yet. And whether he gets that potential, I mean, who knows? He he, he doesn't he doesn't do enough forward for me. His rucking is good, but he doesn't he doesn't really go forward. He's not dangerous enough um, at the moment in his career. Not to say he he can't go on and do that. So from what he's done so far, I think it's probably the right compensation. And, and of course, he was the, the winner of the Rising Star last year, so you've got to factor those things in. But I, I think it's the right compensation. Yeah, and, I'll, I'll probably lean the other way. I think Freeman will probably overpaid because if we look at this year, that um, Max Gorman <laughs> missed a few games through injuries. And when when Jackson was left to lead the ruck and rest forward and whatever, I think he, he didn't play as well as we probably would have hoped. Um, so have they given up a couple of first round picks here for a guy that's just going to be a, a second second fiddle ruck and forward? Yeah, it's, well, it's they're, they're, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. I was just going to say. I was just go, sorry. Bev. No, go, Bev. Go. I, I was just going to say. I was just going to say they're, they're obviously thinking about what he can reach in in terms of um, his potential, and as he keeps on growing, they're, they're probably thinking more of of what happens down the track with him than what he's done right now, I suppose. Yeah, I see that side of it too, but I think like he, he's he's into his 
played three seasons now. So yeah, yeah. once you get to that, I think if if you want to invest <laughs> in potential, isn't that what the draft is for? Well, that's true. Um, and if you're gonna if you're gonna pay up those first round picks, you probably need a proven commodity more so like what Richmond have done with Hopper and Taranto. And I think, yeah, we're three years in and he's shown potential, but are we convinced that he's going to deliver on that? No, it's a fair question. And, and, and the other thing is being a um, Ruckman, we do know for a fact that they mature later than the average position or position player or even, you know, Point. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so we don't know. He may not mature into the ruckman that we think he's going to be. And, and that's the thing, that they take longer to develop and they're probably a bit harder to get a gauge on too on their trajectory, aren't they? And like their they window... In the first couple of years. And their peak window is a lot smaller than a lot of other positions because they take that bit longer and then it's the wear and tear on the body of being in the ruck. Yeah. Uh, perfect just... example, Jared Witts. Just, uh, <clears throat> I just want to give an example in terms of you yep. know, taking a while to get good. Yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, yeah. no, you're right. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to say one thing before we move on to another another um, discussion point is I've only ever probably in my time seen one player's played about 50 games that could um, warrant some decent compensation, and that was Chris Judd when he first came on the scene because he was ready and up and running straight away at West Coast. Um, I don't think I don't believe I've seen a player that young, um, under fifty games, do what he was doing. So, uh, Jackson to me is yeah. If you wanted more than what you got, you're dreaming. Is that um, maybe going from Luke Jackson is a good segue into Brody Grundy? Yes, well that that is a good point, and um, we do have our Collingwood supporter on board. Um, we might start with so, Josh. What, yeah, what, you almost, yeah, okay. Uh, what, what, how do you um, feel as a Collingwood supporter letting Grundy go to Melbourne? And do you believe, considering Collingwood didn't have much bargaining power with offloading because they had to offloading because of um, salary cap, what are your thoughts? Without, without, <laughs> I'm trying, I don't want to go on a mad <laughs> rant because, you know, we got time, you know, we've got time. But I, all I can say is, you know, on behalf of Collingwood supporters, we, we didn't want him to go because of, you know, what he what he was able to do in 2018, 2019. He was, he was a very good ruckman and he offered a lot. But um, look, look, it had to happen. We didn't want it to happen, but it had to. That's what we're going to have to realise. It had to happen because, once again, we stuffed up giving him the seven-year, you know, million, you know, million-a-year contract. But the reason he wanted that contract was security. That's... He said that in many podcasts, he said he wanted security. You know, the money was security also. That's another thing. And it was about commitment and security and longevity. But obviously that didn't come into tuition. But yeah, like we were not happy, but it had to happen for the future of our club. That That's the best way I can really look at it. Look, Collingwood were similar to um, what they were of Trelaw. These were hamstrung. Yeah, we're paying him big dollars. You wanted to try and keep the goey. Collingwood were never going to win on trading him out. They were well, always going. Collingwood, gonna... Collingwood didn't have leverage <clears throat> because no. the way it played out, um, Grundy couldn't come back to Collingwood. So Melbourne ended up getting him for pick twenty-seven, which is probably a lot <clears throat> less than Collingwood would have liked. But they had no leverage with the way it all played out. The only thing that could have helped um, Collingwood was if all of a sudden another club decided, oh, all right, they're, they're a bit of a stalemate at the moment and put a, an offer that was better. Yeah, yeah I, want, I want to pose a, a question to Bev here. Um, so Gorn and Grundy, they've been the best two rucks for a long time in the competition. Do they complement each other and will it work? Well, Simon Goodwood thinks, uh, seems to think so. I, I don't know. We're not going to know until we see it, I guess. I mean, Gorn, he's not too bad when he goes forward, so I can see maybe him floating a bit more forward, maybe even back and, and Grundy doing a doing most of the rucking. But, yeah, we're not going to know until it um, – it's quite strange, actually, because, as you say, they were the two best ruckmen only a couple of um, years ago. They were probably the first two picked in most people's AFL fantasy team, and now here they are in the in the same team. So I can't wait to see how it works out. I think we're all – 
we're all excited to see if it if it does work out. Simon Goodwin seems to think so, and I think Max Gorn's on board with it too. So yeah, well, yeah, we'll I, see. I'm glad you sort of brought up the AFL fantasy and yeah. coach kind of things because you know you just they're the set and forget duo. But um, obviously, you're you're pretty keen on your your um, AFL fantasy and whatever. Would you pick either of them next year? Probably not. No, no, no. A bit of trepidation. No. I don't think you could confidently pick them. Definitely not. Um, based on, as I said, do, do they complement each other? I'm not sure it, what they do. It's an unusual duo, in my opinion, because Grundy was always touted as like a unique ruckman, where where you know he's that extra midfielder. He's you know can be very athletic and and um and you. Look, his ruck work is good, but you know, in terms of hit outs to advantage, I'm not sure he would be high up there where 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 the Gorn like Gorn is. He's really high in the hit outs to advantage. They're I don't know. They're like opposite they're 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 opposites to me. And I don't know how Grundy would do if he were to go forward. You know who would have complimented you, you know who would have complimented yes. um Gorn really well is the bike that's the number one ruck at St Kilda. Because he can actually play forward. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, if, if if we were gonna gonna bet on whether it's a, a failure or a success, where would you where would you which way would you be leaning right now? <laughs> uh, failure. I'm gonna say it straight out. <laughs> I'm gonna the, give it hope. You're gonna give it hope, Bev. Yeah, I'm gonna give it hope. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna back Simon Goodwin in and and the Melbourne Football Club and. I'm gonna uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it hope. I think it so could maybe work out. What What's the pass mark though? Do you Do you judge it on you know um, yeah, sort of that's interesting. The, the amount of goals <laughs> they kick between them as well? Because they're obviously going to both float forward a lot, but I don't think either of them is really a reliable enough forward. So let's just in terms of goals, um, what would a pass mark be? Oh, I don't know. To be honest, that's a that's a tough one. I reckon you'd want um, th- at least 30 between them for the season. Oh, see, and that's the thing. I, don't, I honestly don't <clears throat> see them getting there. Mm. I don't think uh, wanting 30 from those two, if they're going to be you know, swapping in the forward line for a 22-game um, season, I don't think that's an unrealistic request. I don't think it's unrealistic either, <clears throat> but I just don't think they'll get there. I reckon mm. Gorn's more dangerous up forward than Grundy. So if if they're going to get to thirty goals between each other, it's probably going to have to be Gorn doing majority of the getting of the eighteen scoring of them or twenty. Yeah, yeah, mm. probably. So what's what? What do they do with Grundy then when he's not rucking? Does he sit on the bench? Does he go back? Where where does he sit? Hmm. <clears throat> I reckon he's going to be bench. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like that to me. But to be fair, did Melbourne really rely on their you know makeshift you know system between the Ruckmans with the four with like how Jackson went forward sometimes? Gone. Did they rely on goals in that area? Didn't they rely on like Frisch and Cosy uh, um, and all yeah, that? Yeah, but there was a couple of goals. Top, there was a couple of times where they were put to the sword, and um, Gorn actually pulled something out of his back pocket. Yeah, no, fair, fair. No, I just remember the absolute shock yeah. of Gorn had against but us. Kept shanking him. My my question <laughs> is, what what we're overlooking with Melbourne is um, in tennis when you lose in men's and you lose the first three sets, it's called straight sets. Melbourne were straight sets in the finals. Is Grundy going to be the difference between them um, going out in straight sets and or winning a couple of finals? Yeah, not sure. Not not sure. Yeah, because my, my gut feeling is um, we're overlooking the fact that um, Melbourne probably didn't get a pass mark this year. Um, no, and, and they had a lot of forward, <clears throat> forward issues this year as well. So is one of them going to be able to make that forward line better? Not sure. Yeah, well, we know that Gorn you. probably doesn't because Gorn was part of it. And, you know, when Grundy goes... And, that, and look, they've lost Wiedemann as well. And I know he didn't play a lot of games, but... Um, they, they really probably needed to address another key forward more so than a Ruckman, didn't they? Yeah, they, cer- they certainly did. Because, um, like, Ben Brown gave them nothing last season or this year. Yeah, uh, true. He, very disappointing. Yeah. It, in fact, he's gone reverted back to his North Melbourne form before he came over to Melbourne, hasn't he, almost, where he lost all confidence. Um, all right. Now, someone that I've... Cross paths with as a supporter, Blake Akers. Uh, are Carlton actually happy to have him? 
supporters. I mean, yep. obviously, obviously the club yep. are. Yeah, absolutely. He fe- he feels a need. Now, let he's not going to be you know top ten, top twelve in the best and fairest, but um, we desperately lacked a a quality winger this year, and he he feels a need. So, n- not going to pretend he's going to be a superstar, but he slots straight into the twenty two, and he serves a purpose straight away. He's one of the bargains. He's one of the bargains, in my my opinion, mm. of the trade period. I, I actually, I actually believe he could be in your best twelve. Based on this season, if he can continue that on, he could easily fit into Carlton's best twelve. Well, he he actually had a really good <clears throat> final series too, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he he really stood up this year. In fact, it's almost like he's um over the preseason before the before the current season has just been played, it's almost like he's come of age. All the potential. Yeah, it only cost a future third rounder, so I think it's just a big piece of shrewd business there. I, I'd, I'd say it was a classic case of Dinger Bell. Um, he's still doing their deals, isn't he, Dinger yep. Bell? Yep. yep. I, I think it was a case of they had to get rid of him and we're gonna would have taken whatever was thrown at him by the sounds. Now, with our next, next discussion, so we've got Bev here. Mm. Um, maybe we give the floor to him because mm. um, I know there's uh, uh, one trade that got him uh, up and excited, um, which he posted about on his page with uh, Rory Lobb. Um, do you want to run <clears> us through um, your thoughts on the dogs movement? Yeah, there's been a lot of chit chatter about the uh, the dogs uh, trade period. A few people divided on whether they had a, a good or a bad um, trade period. Uh, I thought it was quite a satisfactory trade period, which might might seem a bit bit odd to some because they did let go four players. But I think Rory Lobb's a, a good inclusion. He's not a excellent inclusion. He's not a bad uh, inclusion. I think there's gonna there's still we're still wondering where he fits in in terms of um, you know in amongst all the tools that the dogs have at the moment. But uh, what what he can do though is he can help Tim English out in the ruck. I think that's the big one. Uh, Tim English probably needs help uh, in the ruck. Luke Beveridge at times this year was under pressure, being uh, you know criticised for not playing a second ruck. So Rory Lobb can do that without being a, a liability in the ruck, like a you know a Bruce or or, yeah. so or a Cordy or someone. You, you said Beveridge, you know, copped a bit of flack for not playing a second ruck, but you don't play a second ruck for the sake of playing one if you don't have one that's good enough, do you? Well, that's true. That well, yeah, that's true. But then, yeah, some people would say diff- different. Some people would say we have Jordan Sweet in the wings, um, although he's probably still up and up and coming. But um, I mean, he was the leading goal kicker at Fremantle this year. He kicked most of their goals, and yeah. I think he's pretty dangerous in in the contest. He's getting on with age, but um, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be all right. Um, I've got I've got faith in in the in the trade. So, but I guess we're not going to know until next year and beyond. No, that's right. And you mentioned before that you've lost four players, but um, if, if guys want to get out, you, you're not really achieving much by keeping guys that don't want to be there, are you? Um, what, what do you yeah. make of the Dunkley and Hunter trades? Well, Dunkley, we had no choice, really. He was out of contract. He was going to go either way. So, Well, he wanted to go to Essendon a couple of years ago as well. So yeah. he's yeah. He, he's been wanting out of there for a while. And yeah, and to his credit, he you know he stayed and and he he still put together. A, yeah, he still performed and obviously won the best and fairest this year. So he was always going to go. Um, I wish the dogs uh, got. I think did Brisbane, Brisbane had pick fifteen at one point and then traded it. They yep. ended up getting pick twenty one, but still got some decent compensation for him. At least they got some compensation instead of you know letting him go through to the draft for free. Lockie Hunter um, was probably the big shock for me, but. Um, who knows? He might be getting on a bit. I don't know. But, he sort of, um, sort of found himself out of favour a lot too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. And you know, this year he was in and out of the team. He, you know, obviously had that mental health break. Um, I'm not really concerned with Cordy and Shaky leaving because I, I don't think they make the team uh, better. So there's probably only two that that really, you know, are big big losses for well, the dogs the in, in my opinion. Cordy and Shaky, they don't they don't make much of a difference but is there scope for with their departures is there scope for the team to actually get better with guys coming in to fill their positions well i hope so uh i mean obviously rory lobs probably would be probably would be in the team ahead of shacky and he's probably maybe a better player than shacky um at this point so i mean shacky would just be sitting there and not playing at all so um have they brought in enough to, to make the team better? Not sure, but um, 
Well, obviously, Liam Jones is the other one as well. Dogs are crying out for a key defender. So if he can, you know, play at the level that he did at Carlton, then I think he's a, a very good pickup. Well, uh, to- I'm obviously a Carlton fan and might be a bit biased, but I think he would have been uh, knocking on the door of all Australian teams. Well, he was, Really, yeah. in his form. He was. Um, and, and you talked about the Dogs um, being short on, on the big defenders down there, but um, so... We look up the other end of the field, though. So now you've got um, Jamari Hagen, you've got Josh Bruce, yes. you've got Aaron Norton, you've got Rory Lobb, who's going to spend a lot of time forward. Um, does it maybe open the door for Norton to play back a lot more? And I actually think he's probably better suited back there rather than forward because, let's be honest, he's a horrible kick for goal. Well, possibly. Um I do rate him as a forward, so I don't know how I feel about him going to the other end. But yeah, um, how do you fix his kicking though? That's that's the big thing. Well, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, practice, I suppose. But um, I, I heard um, I heard that Bruce was talking about uh, talking potentially going back next year, which which would be which would be interesting. So with Lob coming in, it probably pushes. He'll probably play mostly forward and then pinch it pinch it in the ruck. So it probably pushes someone in that forward line out to the to the back line. Obviously Darcy could could play back. He's yeah. versatile. So so um yeah it wouldn't surprise me to see um either Bruce or Norton playing back next year. Well Bruce yeah. has uh, Bruce did start off up back I'm pretty certain when he first yeah, started. Yeah I think you might be right. Yep. Mm. And as you said with um um Lob playing a lot forward, Tim English plays his best footy um playing, you know, 85, 90% of game in the ruck. So as you said um, Lob's just going to pinch it in there and he can become a focal point up forward. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I, I think if he can have the year that he did at Fremantle this year, then I think he's a, a good pickup. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can be disappointed with bringing him through the door. No, no. no. Do, you, do you think, do you think if they make, if, do you think if they don't make finals next year, though, it's, it's um, been a, it's a bit of a bust? Um, no, I don't <laughs> think so because, Let's be honest, is anyone really looking at them as to be a top six, top four or a contender? Probably not. I think most people, even even with the moves they've made, they're probably probably around that seven to ten mark again. Uh, I reckon I reckon Bulldogs should be making finals, to be honest. I, I rate I rate um, I rate you know, I rate Bulldogs. I, I like the team, like the midfield, you know, and then Roy Lobbs, he's a great pickup. You got Jones in because you that's a position you really needed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, look, I don't know the drop off with you guys, like mm-hmm. what happened, but I thought I, th- I think like I rate Bulldogs team. You guys should be making finals, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. yeah. Who, yeah. Who, who 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 should we keep an eye out, Bev, to step up um, in the absence of um, Dunkley? Because I think maybe Riley West has shown enough that he he can probably take a lot of those those midfield minutes and and probably thrive. I agree with you. Yeah, I was going to say Riley West to, to answer your question. I think he's. Um, I think he had a, a good good patches uh, this season when he played. Um, I remember the game against Hawthorne. I think he kicked four goals. The the one at, at Marvel earlier in the year. He's a. Yeah, I think he's got. He, you know, Dunkley's going to be a hard player to replace, but I, I do believe West can step he's up. Probably and, the most uh, likely, isn't he? Yeah, I I, I think so. Yep. Yeah, uh, I guess um, just to answer whether or not we believe the Bulldogs would play finals or do any good, I believe, like, as we know, the modern game is a big momentum game, as we know, and probably one of the biggest batteries for sucking energy and momentum is the Bulldogs. Like, they are one team out of all of them that really does rely on momentum, if that, if you yeah, know what they, I mean, they yeah. can once once <clears throat> they get a run on, they can pile on goals very quickly. Exactly, can't they? exactly, and they can also string together half a dozen wins in and, the blink of an and eye. And the thing is, too, their their <clears throat> goals come from a wide variety of players. They're not too um, centric on just one or two guys kicking goals, are they? And they get a lot of a spread from their midfield too. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I think we've come to a stage where we might go for a quick break and come back. On the other side of the break, and what do you want to discuss on the other side of the break, Aaron? We want to have a closer look at Carlton, maybe. Um, oh, sort of had a bit of a look at them, but yeah, we may as well have a look at um, each of our teams and uh, go from there. Okay, and it'd be good to get um, the Bev's insight on our teams um, because uh, 
we all do listen to him on so listen and watch on social media and get quite captivated by some of his opinions and views it's great so we'll see you on the other side of the break Okay, we're back from the break. We may now go down and finish discussing the ins from the trades for Carlton. So what else was happening for Carlton, Woody? Nothing at all. Blake Acres. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That was that was the only one they had their eyes on. One thing that I would like them to do, if you look at <coughs> Richmond's delistings, um, <coughs> I would like us to at least make a phone call to Sydney Stacks manager. I think he could be a good fit. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. The, the, the silence is amazing. Yeah, yeah no, I've obviously, <laughs> obviously you know, intrigued everyone with that. Yeah, blew us out of the water. I, I was actually kind of surprised Richmond delisted, to be honest. Mm. So it's not a, it's not a bad, um, it's not a bad suggestion, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd like to see it. I think if you look at some of the players that have been delisted, he probably probably fits what Carlton need the most. And what is that? I'm um, just just someone who can uh, pinch it in the middle and probably go forward mm. and kick a couple of goals. Has he had some? Is is he the same lad that had some indiscretions off the field? Yep. Okay. Yep. A couple of years ago, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> that could be more related to why he's been let go. I know it was a couple of years yeah. ago, but well, he we had a favourite. He didn't play a lot of games this year, so there's probably yeah. varying factors. But if if um, you believe in, in you've got a good culture and you've got a good club, then why wouldn't you go for someone like him? Yeah, well, I, I I still think the jury's out on Carlton's culture. Let's see him string together a couple of seasons of um, improvement like they did la- this last season and then we'll make that call because um, it doesn't take much, as we know, to turn into from chocolates to bald lollies in the current AFL yeah. climate. And the only, the only other thing of notes <coughs> that Carlton did was uh, trade out Will Setterfield to, um, to Essendon, but I don't think that's really a discussion point. Um, he is what he is. They get a, a guy that's a big-bodied midfielder that doesn't mm. use it very well. So, mm. Fair enough. All right, look, I'll just quickly um, discuss um, St Kilda. Basically, we've got Mr Cordy coming into the club. Zane, um, look, he'll possibly make, even though probably the Bulldogs may not miss him as from, from, from what Bev was saying, I do think he'll be handy at St Kilda because we do lack a bit of height up back. So I think that's their plans for him. Um, but, look, a lot of St Kilda fans are going, oh, we've done nothing during the trade period and that. Well, I look at it this way, St Kilda fans. It means we haven't screwed up a few more trades like we have in the past years. Huh. If you, you know, don't trade, you can't make a bad one. No, and instead, we've got the picks in the draft to pick the wrong kids in the draft. So we're doing really That's well. Thing. So you've got, you got picks 9, 28, and 32. That's uh, not horrendous. the first couple of rounds. So that's that's a good draft hand. Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Um, what, do you, what do you make of St Kilda there, Bev? <clears throat> yeah, they're a bit quiet in the trade period. Um yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you, Cordy. I guess um, I thought he was pretty vulnerable in defence at times uh, last year. I keep saying he's past his best, but he's only twenty five, so he can he can still, I guess, improve or get back to his best. He was once a forward, so I guess he could play forward if St Kilda wanted him to. But um, yeah, quite quite trade period. Um, is there anyone you would have liked to to see St Kilda go after go after or well, I actually, um, look, um, I would have gone after, I can't think of anyone in particular, like after they lost to Goey, I would have been still trying to have a bit of a nibble, at, a bit of quality in the middle because yep. basically St Kilda has, well, Jack Steele, the man of steel, let's be honest, he's well and truly A grade. Um I believe Sinclair could go through the middle a bit more than just off the back flank, and he's become A-grade. 
Um, I don't know why they were trying to trade Hunter Clark because he's probably one of the um, only three guys that have actually got decent foot skills that are going to probably hit a target 85% of the time. A lot of the others are just those sort of plotters in the midfield. So it would have been good just to get another quality, you know, bloke in the midfield just to uh, that can deliver a ball, etc. You know what I mean? Do you think their yeah. lack of dealings may have had something <clears throat> to do with the fact that they were probably overconfident on Dugowie? I actually think their lack of dealings is related to, after they lost Dugowie, is related to what's happened um, last night. Did they, did they know that that was on the cards? I reckon they knew that. I reckon they've known, I believe they've known that was on the cards, is my gut feeling. And, um, yeah, it's sort of... I mean, they, they could have been complete and utter con men as a club and just acted like everything's smooth, you know, Rats is going to be still coaching, come over, yada, yada. But um, maybe St Kilda are a little bit um, on the honest side. Uh, Tim, Tim, quick, just, a, just a quick question. Mm. Uh, do you think it's a big achievement if, <clears throat> King, if King scores less than five behinds a game? <laughs> uh, Josh, if you weren't the producer of this show that does all the editing, <laughs> I, I would tell you to jump in a fire truck. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I love, I love, I love Maxi. I love Maxi, but he needs to, he needs to, you know, like practice his, you know, his set shot on goal. You, you know, season. you know what St Kilda <laughs> needs to do. And and look, I got. <laughs> I got relatively pissed off. I'll use that language. I got relatively pissed off when people saying, get Lloyd to show him how to kick for goal. Well, (laughs) let's, let's just look at, you know, a few facts. Lloyd's a left footer. Let's be brutally honest. Left footers are are a breed upon their own. They've got a, they've got a slightly, they do actually, unfortunately have a slightly different kicking action to a right footer. Agreed. I agree. Great. Yep. Yep. Right. Why would you want someone that's, you know, I don't know what number he is in the goal kicking history, right? There's only one of two blokes I would have wanted to work with him is the chief, and he's your second choice. The other one is the great man, Plugger. Who had, Woody, you've said time and time again, who had the best routine for set shots you've seen? Let's not, um, obviously, yeah. you have to go with Plugger there because he's kicked more goals than anyone else. But um, let's not just pigeonhole Max King here, and I mentioned Aaron Norton before. <laughs> Goal kicking the whole <laughs> AFL is quite atrocious. Yeah, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just having a gag. No, I was just having a gag. Oh, oh you, you, you're fine, mate. You're fine. I'll, I'll run into you at a Melbourne City match and be able to plant your head into the concrete. That's fine. Um, but, but what I'll just say is, Goal kicking itself is not a problem in the AFL. Set shots for goal is the yeah. problem. That is the curse. Yeah. Because you, we've seen a lot of miraculous goals kicked in play. It's the set shot that is, and it's an absolute joke. You get paid. But that's where you win and lose games. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah. So to say goal kicking itself the problem's a bit too broad. I I would argue that we're still seeing some super goals in play. It's it's the actual um, when you've got the brain that's going to play part of the process seems to be the problem, which is the set shot. No, but still, you know, still like future tense. <clears throat> I'd love a Max King at Collingwood. You know, that key forward really need. But you know, we can move on. Daniel McStay. You do realise that Max King grew up being a St Kilda member and supporter, as did his I know, brother. I know, I know. And anyone that's done that, even if St Kilda are a basket case, ain't going to play for the black and white. <laughs> so we've got to segue <laughs> into the black and white, are we? Well, well, they as well. They might as well. Yeah, so they? Hit they a running. Um, what are your thoughts on your club's you know, um, bargain basement prices of letting players go and then... Um, Buying from the two dollars shop to get players in. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good analogy. I like that one. But um, look, these all the targets that were pretty much you know we wanted. Um, Billy Frampton. You know we we need some 
we need some more tall stocks in defence. Like, we do have Murphy, but they, he got lucky not getting injured because he's been really injury prone. So I reckon Frampton's a really good in. Um, I'm going to say something here. I yeah, yeah, think, okay, yeah. <clears throat> I, I rate Nathan Murphy higher than Darcy Moore. Oh, do, oh do, yeah, there you go. There you go. No, that's a, uh, I rate that call. I, I rate him very highly. It's just, you know, his body, that's all. He was very lucky not to get injured. So I reckon Frampton is just... Good to good to get in as another tall. Um, Bobby Hill, he he was meant to technically. If you watched, um, uh, all, um, sorry, that documentary on Stan, um, show me the money. Hill was like very close to coming to Collingwood, but we just couldn't make it happen, and we finally got him. And I reckon he takes uh, Ash Johnson's spot. In my opinion, he takes his spot. I think Ash yep, Johnson and, um, was sensational. I don't know, he'd be stiff to miss a spot. Yeah, no, no, I think he's I think he's phenomenal as well, but there's still parts of his game you might need to work on that Hill has, in my opinion. But um like in terms of pressure on the ball, which Hill can provide. But um the the more controversial one is Dan McStay. Like Pies fans were like, Oh, why are we getting him? Oh, I watched him for Brisbane, oh I watched him two games, oh he wasn't that good. But look, Brady's not getting younger, he's dropped off a bit, Cox is like gonna be thirty I think he's going to be like 32 next year or something. So he's got doesn't have long left. We do need another tall forward. And look, McStay might, might not can't be... lead that line, can he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. McStay might not be your big key forward that, like, when we'll uh, link to Lynch all that time ago. But look, he's a he's a tall forward. Give him a chance. That's all I can say. But um, I reckon the big one is Tom Mitchell. I reckon because I'm... I'm a, it's a bit controversial. I'm a little 50-50 on Tom Mitchell at the moment. I have to see I have to see him how he functions in the midfield and everything. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that or anything else. Anything else? I think Tom Mitchell is just a nothing player. I don't think he adds anything really of value. Um, Dan McStay doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I can see why they went and got um, Frampton and Bobby Hill, but that's about it. And they got a couple of picks for, for Grundy and Henry, which he wanted out. But <coughs> yeah, a lot of Collingwood fans are really happy and they went and got their targets, but I don't know that it makes them that much better. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, you have a good, yeah, you do have a good point. Look, with, with Mitchell. Like he is a, well, he's a Brownlow medalist, you know. He's because we have struggled, you know, winning the clearances and getting clearances. We actually started winning them in the final series, like finally. But Mitchell does get those balls and you know gets those clearances and you know he gets a lot of the footy. But it's about the effective like of his kicks, don't, isn't it? Don't yeah. have yeah. high yeah, that's, Tom that's, Mitchell and you won't yeah, be no, won't, yeah. <clears throat> Will yeah. you make of the pies there? Yeah. Right? Yeah, I don't mind Tom Mitchell. He just adds an extra layer to their to their midfield, so I don't mind him. Uh, I think Bobby Hill is a is a good pickup. Um, he's speedy, dangerous, small forward. I think that suits the way Collingwood play. We know this year they were quite they were quite fast the way they moved the footy, took the game on through the guts, and and I think that um, I think Bobby Hill will be suited to that. And um, yeah, Frampton's Frampton. We have I don't know. Have we seen enough of him to to make an assumption? I, I don't know. He didn't get a lot of game time at Adelaide I don't know in the end. We so. have, but we've got to also yeah. factor in that um, he's only how old is he? 24, 25, and he's on his third club already. I think that probably speaks some mm. volumes as well. <clears throat> yeah, I know someone who's a big Frampton fan, so he must be a he must be a decent player. Dan McStay is the one that you know I'd probably want to. See how he goes before I make an assessment. He only kicked twenty-two goals last exactly. year, but then he yeah. was in a he yeah. was in a Brisbane team with Danaher, um, Hipwood, you know, Cameron, you know, a lot of a lot of tall forwards in that forward line. So maybe um, with you know my check in uh, just with my check, and he might he might um, he might step up. I think he can go in the ruck as well, can't he? So he might be a bit of a not a replacement for Grundy. Obviously, Cameron's probably going to take that. Well, he is that number one ruck. Yeah, person now, yeah. but um, but McStay could could help out uh, if if required. I thought McStay actually had a pretty good final series, so if he can if he can get to that level, then he he might be a good pickup for the Pies. But um, gee, if they don't make top four next year, I'd be surprised. Well, um, just on um, Collingwood's sort of reject shop shopping at trade period, 
there's only ever been one one decent fra- <laughs> there's only ever been one decent Frampton on this planet Earth. That's Peter Frampton, the guitarist. So good luck with that. <laughs> um, the other the other thing is um, if you want a player that will kick backwards, sideways, run around in circles, you've got a good one in Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but um, I just yeah, I just I just wanted I just wanted to add like how um Bev said like top top four um people you know with the close games we had and the run we went on, do we think that was like a you can say one hit wonder or like one trick pony kind of kind of season. Do you do you think last like last season was that kind of season for us? Is top four what what we should be expecting? I don't know. Like some players fans will say yes, some will say no. That's why probably I, top eight at least. Probably yeah, top, top eight, eight at least. Yeah, 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 yeah I reckon eight at least. Yeah. The one yeah. thing the one thing though is like next year they they're not going to get an easy run. Not saying they got an easy run this year, but they're gonna. They're going to be facing the better teams a lot more next year because mm-hmm. of where they finished uh, on the ladder. You know, fi- fixture-wise, they're going to be playing some of these top teams a lot more. So um, that's that's sort of one thing that I'll... They're going to be challenged a bit more next year is probably what and I'm trying to say. that's the thing. When they're, when they're playing that higher-caliber team more often, um, they're going to be dropping those close games more regularly too, aren't they? <clears throat> yeah, potentially, potentially. Or who but knows, they might, they might... Yeah, go. Oh, they they <clears> might be they might be um they might not be winning they might be winning a bit more than what they uh, like margin wise I, I don't know they might be. Well, the thing you can look at one better, or two but... ways, can't you? That they might drop them, or have they just got that that character and that resolve about them and that yep. will to win? Um, it depends which way you want to read it, I suppose. I, I guess um I look at it this way though um they could easily have been in a honeymoon phase this season and they they could that's, easily... That's the other thing. Yeah, they could easily yeah. drop down a couple of runs because other teams have worked them out over the off-season. And I don't think many of us would be disappointed <clears throat> if they did fall out of the eight. Yeah, <laughs> look, look um, I'll always back um, Port Adelaide for being able to wear the um, prison bars just because Collingwood don't want them to wear the prison bars. That's... Just that's, that's another four hours of a podcast right there. Uh, if we want to yeah. go start. should we should we talk about Geelong? I feel I was like just about to should. say, yeah, yeah Jeremy's, Jeremy's not yeah. here tonight. We have well, to, um, we have to, we have to I, talk about Geelong. Can I can I just put a public notice out there, um, Je- listeners? Jeremy is not on this episode due to we still have him suspended from the main show. We have given him. <laughs> we have given him parole to be on the guest alliance for the NFL, but that is where it stays at the moment. Um, Jeremy's got a lot of bridges to rebuild in the Ballarat basketball community before we will allow him back on this um, podcast. Uh, and Dev, we'll explain that to you um, once we finish recording, mate, because um, okay. the listeners Looking already forward to hearing it. No worries, mate. So anyway, Geelong, um, they seem to have, a lot of experts seem to have been giving them the old A+. Plus. Is this... Is this um, <laughs> Is it, have we ever seen a premiership team improve their list this much? You know, that, you know, a month after winning the flag. I can't remember the last time, honestly. No, so the ball in Oliver Henry, Jack, well, Ryan, Jack Bowes, and pick seven. Um, what do you make of that, Bev? That's that's some pretty good dealings right there. Yeah, well, you can't you can't really argue with that, can you? Ollie Henry's, um, you know, he's got he's probably still got some growth to to come, and you know, Tanner Bruins are. <laughs> An, ex- an exciting, uh, <laughs> exciting young player, and and well, Jack Bowes, um, yeah, he, he's probably a decent pickup, and well, pick seven, you know. So, so Jack a- Bowes, a former top ten pick, and pick seven for a future yep. third rounder. That's good business. Oh, hundred percent, has to be. And they, yeah, this is what they've done well. Well, they've done this well, haven't they? The the, the last well. For many years now, well, they've got pick seven in, and that's the highest they would have drafted in a long time. Because, yep. um, like the, well, they they made how many preliminary finals over the last twelve or fourteen years? A ridiculous amount, but um, they just seem to be nailing those picks and the trades and the development of the the young guys that they get in the second and third round, and they're finally picking fairly high. So, um, I can't see them dropping down the ladder too far. Yeah, would fall off my chair if they did. I wish they they're would. They're going to be right. Well, we all wish they would, but they're going to be right there at the pointy end again, aren't they? Can, can I just say my hate for Geelong um, has, 
no, in fairness, my hate for Geelong has really, it's hard to hate them now. Um, like, I think Chris Scott has evolved into a decent human being. If he had have had that conversation with me when he first went in charge of Geelong, I absolutely despise the Cray brothers. But um, he he's grown on me. He's matured as a coach. And I believe he's probably the coach of the AFL currently. And yep, um, absolutely. And Horse Longmire is yep. a close second. I, I still think there's not a great deal between them. Like, what he's done at Sydney has been good. Um, yep. But... Joel Salwood, if there is not a St. Uh, Joel when he's um, no longer on this planet, there is something wrong. That guy is an absolute dead set legend. Um, some of the stuff he does um, outside of the game and... And also a ducker, <clears throat> that's all I'm going to say. And sorry. Yeah, but oh. I, I can overlook the ducking. Sorry. With the sort of stuff he does, he is a decent human being. He's won me over. And there lays a big question. Who replaces him? As captain, not sure. Not I sure. Think Tom is Stewart Tom probably Stewart? the yeah. obvious one. <clears throat> yep, that's that would be um, my answer. I don't. You can't give it to Tom Hawkins. He's just going <clears> to <throat> have a swan song next year, so you wouldn't want to want to give too much for him. Um, one that I wouldn't mind throwing up there. He sort of flies under the <clears> radar <throat> and just seems to have the right attitude. Um, Jed Buse, I think he he might be a bit of a left field option for captain. He's underrated, isn't he? He's like one of the most underrated players. He doesn't get talked about much. It, it, I, I, like that, I've realised that over the se- like over the years, he hasn't. I really think he's underrated. Is that's it, just my opinion. Is that Andrew Buse's son? Yep. Yep. So he was an extra long his captain. Career got, yeah, his, his career got <clears> off <throat> to a slow start too. Like he was probably on the verge <clears throat> of getting delisted at one point, but yeah. he's, he's forged a nice career for himself the last few years. Yeah, and look, he's... Uh, Captaincy runs in the family because his father was captain Geelong at one stage before he yeah, went up to Brisbane. He's got, he's got the right attitude and he's got the right attributes if, he, if they wanted to, you know, maybe look away somewhere other than Tom Stewart. Yeah. So do we all agree Geelong was A plus or were they A plus plus? Well, given they were the premiers, they have to be A, wouldn't they? In well, terms of the, yeah, I think, yeah, they just, they've, they've nailed this <coughs> trade period. I just, I don't think they could have done any better. No, and look, in fairness, it probably makes it a little bit easier at trade period to a degree. If you're the reigning premiers, you've you're already not got to need to convince too many players. That's to come exact, on that's exactly yes. right. It's just yep. whether at your end you can facilitate it. So it and, makes, uh, makes it a little bit easier. <clears throat> I just I just want to end this on a low point. A plus, absolutely. But I hope Ollie Henry enjoys playing in the VFL in the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh. <laughs> anyway, it's probably a good um, stage of the podcast to go into the discussion points you've listed, uh, Woody. Happy to go off that? Yep. All right. So the first discussion point, lads, is do clubs need more power? Now, what did, what were you meaning by that um, exactly? Well, I've got a few discussion <laughs> points here, and they, they probably roll into each other a few, but... Uh, a few, <clears throat> eight, nine years ago, they brought in free agency, which was meant to be after playing for eight years, <clears throat> you qualify for free agency, which means you can explore the market and you can sort of pick your next destination. But now we've got first, second and third year players doing it um, and clubs don't seem to have any power to do that. Like, um, yeah, a player just says, I want to go to Gold Coast or I want to go to Fremantle or whatever, and it just gets done um, without any resistance from the club. Um, is it is it is it about need a bit more power? Is it about power, or do they need a bit of um, ding a bell in them and just say no? Well, I don't know what it is. Do, do they need more power, or do they just need more balls about them? I'm not sure. Well, I would have thought for a three or four year player, they just need more guts. To be honest, um, but you're right. At the other end, when they're up around that, you know, unrestricted or restricted. Um, Free well, it's a different ball game when they qualify for free agency, but there's plenty of guys <clears> that don't qualify, and they seem to get to dictate where they go. You see, I would have, I would have, if I was North Melbourne, I would have made Jason Horn Francis sit out football if he doesn't want to play for us. But I'm a, I'm a mongrel. But you know, no, I, I, I sort of agree <clears> with that. And one, one other thing, I think that the first round draft picks they get signed on a two year deal that doesn't give this club any security. Um, I think they probably should be 
signed on a four-year deal. Um, so the club gets gets um, some security and guarantees from from taking a, a guy with such a high pick. Well, I I I think what I mentioned on our chat, and this goes into the next question. Um, and I, I actually, for the next question, would love to hear the other guys' opinions. <clears throat> is um, the draft age like most? US sports, they're 21 by the time they get drafted, usually, unless they've gone to college. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. I'm wondering whether we should be looking at something similar in the AFL where they go off, get their, their, their degree, their trade, whatever it is, before they become a professional athlete. And then you've got more maturity. You've got the possibility yep. that they're going to be more inclined to be happy to move away from their home state if they're in another state. I actually think there's a big argument because, as we know, the, the male mind in particular can't really think about consequences and abstractly until after the 25. And we do have a lot of dinglings that are under that age that play AFL that get themselves into a lot of trouble as well. So there's that side of it as well. What's everyone's mm. thoughts about the draft age? Is 18 or 17, whatever it is, at the time when they get drafted um, too young? I'm going to throw this over to Bev here and also say if if it is too low, what's the alternative and the solution, do you think? I don't have a problem with the, the current tray, uh, current draft age. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with it. That's probably all that I can add. Um, you know, these these players coming through have just invested with their um, with their footy and, and um, I, I think if we do raise the draft age who's not to say they won't <clears throat> still put all their eggs into one basket being footy so there's you know, no yeah. guarantee they'll they'll go off and do a trade or whatever so um yeah i think 18 is it 18 17 yeah, 18, 18 um yeah. i think i think yeah 18 is fine 18 you're, the, you're basically the, an adult yeah the problem is though like <clears throat> if they do lift the draft age the afl is so heavily invested in the tac cup which is an under 18 competition true, yep. so then that would need a massive shake up as well Yep, and other programs as well, like you know, down here in Tassie, there's so many, you know, uh, there's there's youth programs and and all of that, and and so yeah, that you and know, they're all they're all be, sort of developed. Yep. They're all developed with the goal of eighteen being the draft age, aren't they? And it's probably not bad, yep, absolutely, um, to get a get a perspective from you here on how it works um, in another state. Yeah, we've got. We've got the Tassie Devils down here. We're probably not not too similar to, to any other place. We've got the yep. the Devils down here. You know, we've got the under sixteen program, and there's, I think there's even the, the Devils program for for younger. And then of course there's the there's the eighteens, and and you know that they all go to the carnival and stuff, and and showcase their their stuff on the on the big stage. So um, that's sort of how it works. It's probably not not too dis dissimilar to to over there and. In Australia, and um, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't really got many players drafted down here in Tassie over the last uh, couple of years. So when we do, we're, we're usually up and about. But um, yeah, it's not sort of the hotbed that it used to be, is it? No, no, definitely not. And you know, obviously, there's we have the like the the eighteens, the championships. You know, there yeah. where where the different states play each other. With that, <clears throat> that'd probably have to be lifted if it was, if the draft um, age was to change. Yeah, it's a bit of a. It's not just as simple as that. There's so many complexities underneath. Oh, isn't but the, there? the other thing is though too. Look at the success there has been across the board over the years with mature age recruits. Mm -hmm. out of Especially the, the last five years. Yeah, out of the state league competitions. So you could still have your TAC Cup till they're eighteen, but they do a little bit of an apprenticeship in the VFL maybe, prior to maybe the change in mindset from the uh, from the clubs if they're worried about losing guys. Um, maybe they need to look to their the state leagues and whatever. Yeah, um, I, I'm just wondering whether that might be, you know, do a bit of an apprenticeship in the state league and um, maybe even if it was a two-year apprenticeship and look at drafting at 20. Yeah. Um, all right, so other questions was um, trade period. I dare say Woody's a big one about, you know, the stuff that happens over two weeks or whatever it is could happen over three days. Um, is it too long, too short or just right? What's everyone's thoughts? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um mm. Way too long. Most stuff doesn't get done till three days. And we have, you know, clubs opening up with ridiculous demands and unrealistic expectations. And they just go back and forth making unrealistic offers for a week. And then they finally get stuff done. I just don't, you're kidding yourself if you don't think clubs or managers are wheeling and dealing all year round. I think we could get it all done and dusted inside three days. 
do we do we feel do we feel like <clears throat> it's more of a it's more of a media thing you know Absolutely. like to, that's the only yeah, reason get, yeah, you look, to, you look at the up, last day yeah you look at the last day the the afl is just interested in the drama because you can't lodge paperwork on the last day till three o'clock in the afternoon which is ridiculous no, exactly. Yeah, I just think it's I just think it's a media hype. They just drag it out. I yeah. think I think teams know what they want. Like they know what they want. You know, you can even argue. You can even argue when like teams they make the finals and you know they go off have their holidays. I reckon like coaches and and club staff or you like they're already figuring out who they need. And I would I would suggest eighty percent of that. deals. Eighty yeah. percent of yeah. deals are done well before the trade period even starts. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. They know who. What, they do, you, what want. do you make of this? this it out. I think a week is probably enough. To be honest, that's probably yeah. that would probably be where I would sort of go Just with the trade Monday period. Friday, run it for a week. Yeah, it. Run it for a week. Run it for a week, and um, yeah, as you say, there, there's there's they'll be talking. <laughs> they're talking as soon as a team. At least as soon as a team finishes their season, they'd be talking trades and probably, if not then, before. So, as you say, so, yeah, week should be long enough. Just sent a lot of unnecessary and wasted time on <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And a, and a lot of players have already, that are, you know, um, free agents have already basically said to the club that they want to go to, they want to go to them anyway. So. True. Pretty easy. And then our final discussion point, and I can really feel the sarcasm oozing out of this one from Woody. I miss my mummy or mommy, if it's um, American, factor. Yeah, and this goes back to what I said before about the guys maybe being too young and too immature and dictating to to clubs where they're going. So Tanner Brun spent two years in the system, demanded a trade. Taranto, six years. Jackson, three years. Horn Francis, only one. Isaac Rankin. And Ollie Henry got homesick, apparently being an hour down the highway. Um, I don't understand that, but um, yeah, I just think that that ties into the draft age potentially being a bit too low. Well, the the hour down the highway thing too. Um, let's be <laughs> let's be brutally honest. Melbourne used to hate that road trip to Geelong. <laughs> well, when, they hated that, it one day in particular, <clears throat> and, and that day in particular, I think they even may have stayed over at the Hilton or something in Geelong. Just to try and acclimatise to the, um, you know, the the culture of the place and the weather, and yeah, no, it was and it was a debacle. But yeah, uh, I don't even need to spend too much time discussing that. And I think <coughs> Bev's probably given his thoughts on that with saying that he thinks the draft age is about right anyway. I think. Yeah. So what we could do is because we're pretty much warning up to the end, and we have got that little warning uh, windows come up. Is maybe. Um, just um, basically where we would like to see our teams finish next year in a realistic mode. For me, personally, I'd like St Kilda to actually pick a coach and stick with them for more than a couple of years. Yeah, that's probably a good bar to set. What, what about for the pies, just quickly, Josh, in a couple of sentences? Um, I, I would want us aiming for not top four, but like, you know, between between like fifth to eighth around that mark. We gotta make finals. I reckon we got the players in we wanted. You know, the younger guys got experience. So yep. they gotta they gotta keep getting better. That's what we gotta do, keep getting better. Yep. I think yep. for me, for Carlton, I just think um, not just make the finals, but win one. Yep. What about you, Bev? Yeah, I'd like to say the Western Bulldogs uh, improve defensively and, uh, yeah, hopefully make the finals. That's probably my sort of, yeah, expectation. Did, did, is, is is making the finals a pass mark or is it just, you know, if they finish ninth or tenth, would you be okay with that? Uh, probably not. Don't know. Probably yeah. not. No, you, you, I want to see them. Like, obviously, they only played off in a grand final last year so and this year yeah. was a bit disappointing. So, yeah, I'd... I'd like to see them make finals. That's probably my yeah, just, expectation. Just want to give you one question without notice here. Um, yep. Obviously, you know, a lot of people obviously know you from your social media presence <laughs> and whatever. Um, so we're uh, pretty happy that you decided to join us tonight. So thanks for that. But, no worries. Um, talk of a Tassie team coming in. You're obviously a Tassie boy. You love your Tassie teams. Would you jump ship from the dogs? At this stage, I'm I'm pretty convinced that I won't be. Uh, I'll be 
I think I'll be sticking with the dogs forever, but um, no, I'm, I'm in very big support of a Tassie team. I want to see it happen. I've been advocating for it for a long time, and I think it's going to happen. It seems like it is, but um, it, it, we'll it's overdue, isn't it? You look at oh, Gold Coast and Gold Coast and GWS seem to have been look realistic failures. Oh, Gold um, Coast, God, don't get me started on them. So well, Tassie just makes sense, doesn't it? And let's hope absolutely. that it happens. Yeah, and if a, and if a stadium comes with it, I think it's going to do wonders for the for the state as well. So, yeah. fingers yeah. crossed. Apparently, Tony Cochran's on board now, so it yeah. must be happening. Might, might be their number one ticket holder, Bev. <laughs> you might be the president. <laughs> yeah, and look, Tasmania has some bloody great old pubs and breweries and yes. all sorts of things. So it would be a great weekend to go watch your team play. If Absolutely, your team it wouldn't be a horrible road trip, would it? <laughs> would not be a horrible road trip. You mean air trip? I don't but think yeah, so. I, I, I you get... know what I meant. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> where we've got to the bottom end of the uh, episode. And um, I dare say Josh will be punching out and editing and doing whatever he's going to do with these recordings, and he will be utilising Zaggy 2's Velvet Tones for our music. And um, also he's been pretty busy with the NFL Guest Alliance and also been pretty busy with a very new local Ballarat podcast called The Roll-Up with the Big Dog and the Sandman, which is all about local lawn bowls. And... Um, that's going quite well. So we hope it's all good. And Barusha, Mooch and Gladbach, I'm sure they're going to have a win on the weekend. So we've mentioned them twice. Yep. So um, That yeah. might do it, hey? I think, yeah. So thank you very much yet again, Bev. And hopefully... No worries. If you have an interest in some of the other sports we cover, you might want to join us again another time. Sounds fun. No worries. So Turu for me. All right, thanks, guys. Catch gotcha. you. See you all.